Um, my oldest daughter, uh, over the last year or so with the pandemic, what, what's happened is we've watched a lot of movies, right? So you're sitting around, you're watching a lot of movies. I'm trying to be more cautious and more thoughtful about the kind of movies you watch. But my daughter's really gotten into superheroes. And, you know, it, it, you, you go through the list, right? So there's all the, the, the main superheroes, right? So we've watched all the X-Men ones, we've watched the Supermans, we've watched the Bat, you know, we haven't watched all the Batman ones. Some of them are a little heavier. I have younger kids, so some of them are heavier, especially the newer ones. So you're working way down the list, and my daughter was like, well, this week, she's like, Friday, she's like, we've got to watch Shazam. I'm like, Shazam, hmm, okay. I don't know, what I'm that's like down the chain, you know, it's like all, way down the list, like not Hulk, not, not Superman, not Batman, not, not even, not Spider-Man, like down the list. So we gave, we gave Shazam a try on Friday, and I was really impressed. And why I was really impressed was there's so much that the, that the movie can teach us. And as we think about the new year and the changes we want to make in our lives, the movie has a really interesting way of stirring some th things up in us. And what happens in the movie is, uh, I'm going to give it away, so if you've, you've not seen it, I'm sorry. I'm giving, I'm giving a bit of the movie away. Hopefully you still enjoy it, even with this in the backdrop, if you've not seen it. But it's basically this, you know, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's God, Shazam, who's, who's been entrusted with this power, and he has to find an heir to transfer the power over to someone else so that they can maintain order in the universe. But he needs to find someone pure in heart that will use the power well so that he can keep social order, the universe, in order. And so he's pressed, and finally he, he's like, well, i got to find someone. And so the power finds a 14-year-old boy... And so you know how this can go, right? A 14-year-old boy who's provided the power of the universe, right? So in, in moments of the movie, he's like, it's happening in Philadelphia, and so he's standing in front of the, the monument, and he's like shooting th thunderbolts into the sky, and people are dropping money into a, into a basket to show like, hey, look, everybody, I can do all these neat tricks. I can do all these neat tricks. And he actually, during the movie, he shoots a lightning bolt, and it hits a bus, and the bus flies off of a, one of the um, overpasses in Philly, and he has to go and fix the problem. And what happens in the movie is the reality that he needs to come to the realization that the power he's been given is more than just for himself. It's more than just for himself. He's not just entrusted with these tricks and these abilities so that he can wow people, so he can stand over people and show them how great he is. In fact, the crux of the movie is him coming to the realization that he needs to hone the strength to be a blessing to the universe. And so we recognize that what we have to learn in these moments is that we're given power. We're given power. And what I'm reminded of as we prepare to celebrate the life and the legacy of MLK tomorrow, MLK Day tomorrow, is the reality of this. Many of our heroes don't wear capes. And many of our heroes, if you know anything about MLK, you know this, that his legacy now has been sanitized for us to celebrate who he was. But in the day, many people didn't like MLK. Christians didn't like him. Church leaders didn't like him. Pastors didn't like him. And the reminder for us today as we think about what Jesus is inviting us to consider and the changes that he wants to bring in our life is we have to worry more about doing what's right than what's doing what's popular. Doing what's right instead of doing what's popular. Doing what's popular will let us fit in. Doing what's right will bring change. 
And so when we think about this is the reality of what Jesus is trying to address in, in our lives and in this text, in this one short verse, as we think about the Sermon on the Mount and the changes that God wants us to consider, to pursue in our lives, is this. There's power in meekness. There's power in meekness. Now, again, what Jesus does in the scriptures again and again is he's going to confuse us before he cares for us. He's going to confuse us before he comforts us. And I'm going to help us understand the power and the beauty of meekness. Because, again, if we're not careful, what ends up happening in moments like this is we think of meekness as weakness. But as Jesus will teach us, it's anything but. It's anything but. At least not in the way that we think. And so what I'm going to do for us is I'm going to use a backdrop of text to help us understand what Jesus is addressing. So another practice that we do is we stand for the reading of God's word. So I invite you to stand. And I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And again, a reminder, as we do these things, it's important that we use a number of different translations. Because the Bible is a poetic book. And it uses really colorful language to help us understand things. And sometimes one translation might not bring out the nuance or the beauty of what one word is trying to tell us. And so this is Philippians 2, verses 3 to 6. The words will be up for us. You can follow along as I read for us this backdrop text of what Jesus is trying to tell us about the power of meekness. It says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Exploited. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Exploited. That, that word, I was at a conference, CCDA, Christian Community Development Association, and this, this pastor and activist was talking about the power of Jesus and reality of this one word just stuck with me for so long, and I just love the way that this translation brings out what Jesus is trying to show us and teach us about his power. The power of meekness. And so again... That seems like a paradox. How can we find power in meekness? Because again, we often define meekness as weakness. But what Jesus wants us to learn is again, he's going to confuse us before he cares for us. He's going to confront us so that he can grow us. But he has to do it in a way that sometimes be like, I don't, it doesn't make sense. I have to lean in to learn more about what Jesus is trying to address. And one of my seminary professors said, when you try to understand the scriptures, sometimes when things don't make sense, what you have to start to do is do, what is, it, what is the opposite of what Jesus is trying to teach? What is the opposite of what the scripture is trying to show us so we can understand some of the ideas that are under the surface, under the hood of what God's trying to teach? And we did this with the Psalms. What's an anti-Psalm, right? So the Lord is not my shepherd, right? Understanding that we're, okay, when I'm saying that, what is it saying? I'm not letting him guide me. I'm not letting him teach me. I'm not letting him direct me, right? So we have to understand, what, what is the text trying to teach me? And so we're looking at, if you want to turn your Bibles now, if you have your phones and you're looking in the scripture, we're looking at one verse. It's, it's Matthew 5, 5. 
And this is our series, Beat That Attitude. And today, we're addressing the area of being careful. What does it mean to be careful? Because we live in a culture, and if we're honest, we battle being careful. Because there's a difference, again, just as a reminder, there's a difference between making a mistake and being careless. There's a difference between making a mistake and being careless. So Matthew 5, 5, I'm reading from the New King, New King James Version. It says this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But what's the opposite of this? Again, to think about what Jesus is trying to address, and this is our first point, is recognize what Jesus is trying to teach us is empty are the careless. Empty are the careless. This word blessed is based on the Hebrew word hesed. And what it means is more than just happy. See, some of your translations will say happy. Some will say blessed. But it's bigger. It's fuller. It means in, in total blessing. It means fullness. It means joy. It means finding my total satisfaction in God. To be at, at rest. To find wholeness. This is what blessing is about in God's kingdom. But empty are the careless. Empty are the careless. You see, when we think about meekness, we think about weakness. But the problem is we live in a world that says, get mine. Get mine. I want it, I'll take it. If it's, if it's close to me, I'll grab it. I'll take it. And if you're my way, get out of my way. I want it, I'll get it, I'll take it. Right? That's the world we live in. That's, that's the air we breathe. That's the water we drink. Every day it's about get mine, get mine, get mine. Get ahead, get on top, be, be the best, be on top. It doesn't matter how I get there, just get there. Just get there. This idea of being on top, being ahead. But the problem is that a wake of destruction exists when we take that approach. One of, my, one of my favorite Bible teachers, again, John Perkins, talks about this idea of when we're, when we're pursuing this idea of reconciliation, we can't burn bridges because at some point we, need, we might need to walk back over that bridge later. We might need to walk back over that bridge later. Accept our humble pie, right? And so we need to recognize, again, that we live in a culture that says, forget that, move on, keep stepping. Get ahead. And we leave a wake of destruction in our relationship because all we're interested in doing is using people, using position to get what I want. To be on top. But Jesus says, empty are the careless. When I don't take care of the reality that my influence, that my story, that my words, that my time have an influence, have a wake in the lives of others in my community, I wind up empty. No one wants to be around that kind of person. No one wants to follow that kind of person. There is no long-term success for that kind of person. Sure, this life, but Jesus says, blessing is not coming in the next for that kind of person. Because that kind of person says, I'm the king. I'm the top. I'm the best. And again, the problem is twofold in this approach. One, we live right now in a political system where leaders will find themselves in authority and they want you to have them under their thumb. I'm the top and you're the bottom. I'm the lead, you're the follower, right? I want to show you how big and how strong and how powerful and how wise I am, right? And if you don't fall in, trouble. If you don't fall in, trouble. That's the kind of world we live in. That's the kind of leaders we see. But we think, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not like that. 
I'm not like that, right? Or we think, I'm not a leader, so I don't got to worry about that. I don't have authority, I don't have position, I don't have power, I'm not that person. But we all have influence. We all have influence. Our words matter. Our time matters. Our social media matters, right? Our relationships matter. The people that we are friends with, that's the people we have influence with. They're watching us. Empty are the careless if I don't think about how my relationships matter. We live in a world that says, if it feels good, do it. Follow your heart. Just do you. Bring your truth. Right? And we live in a wake of emptiness because all that's happening in that moment is we're just showing that we're the boss. I'm the boss. Fall in. If, you don't, if you're not in, in, in view of my dream, my goal, then step off. Step aside. As MLK has said so wise, I'm reading his book, what, what Shall We Do? What, where Shall We Go From Here? Community or Chaos? Last book before he was, he was murdered. And he says this, power without love is reckless and abusive. Power without love is reckless and abusive. Power, we all have it. We all have it. We are all in positions in our lives where people are watching us where we have influence. Our story, as we talked about last night, our story has power. Am I using that story to show that I'm better than you or that I'm inviting you into a bigger narrative, a bigger story, right? Not the, I'm better than you. Look at me, look at where I've been, look at where I'm going, or I'm inviting you into the same power that has worked in me can work in you. My story has power. But how am I using that story? How am I using the wisdom that God has provided me? How am I using? You can know all the scriptures. But are you holding that truth over people? Or are you standing with them? Empty are the careless. No one wants to follow a leader who keeps telling you, I'm standing over you. I'm standing over you. Fall in. Fall in. Fall in. No one wants that kind of leader. Empty are the careless. It's using my knowledge to talk down to people. It's talking at people. This is what we do. We, we find ourselves, no one is listening, get empty. Conversations are empty when we're talking at people. Empty are the careless. It's about recognizing power in someone sharing a deep concern or a secret. That's power. I've been entrusted with someone's soul in that moment. That's power. What am I doing with that? Am I holding on to it and protecting it? Or am I sharing it around? Empty are the careless. When someone comes to you in confidence, are you holding that word? Or are you giving it away? It's buying things, consuming things, eating things, using things, thinking it will fill that need. It's grabbing and getting and taking. Empty are the careless who don't give thought to that action's going to have a result. Oh, it's just one more drink. It's just one more look. It's just one more word. 
But I have to win the argument. But I have to win the day. Empty are the careless. And so the question for us is, how am I using the power I have today? How am I using the power I have today? We all have it. You might come in today and you might not even have a home. You don't have a job. You don't have anything beyond the clothing on your back. People are still watching you. You still have breath in your lungs, time in your day to be used for good, for self, or for something bigger, for something better. How are we using what God has given us today? How are we using it? Empty are the careless who don't take care, who don't consider the things that are in my life, the things that are in my hands, the things that God has entrusted. How am I using those things for good or for evil, for self or for others? How am I using those things? Empty are the careless. But Jesus tells us then to think about what he's trying to address in 5.5 is this. Satisfied are the careful. Satisfied are the careful. Again, what is meekness? The best definition I think of comes from a devotional that my, my, I was going through with my kids. Paul David Tripp, one of my favorite Bible teachers, has a devotional for kids on Proverbs. And meekness is one of those Proverbs, again, in the end that comes up. And meekness is this, strength under control. Strength under control. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. And again, as we prepare for MLK Day, you can't get around the notion of meekness without thinking of the nonviolent movement that he was a part of watching explode, using a, a, a term I don't love, but to, to watch it pervade the United States. And it didn't happen because they were willing to do it by any means necessary. They were willing to, it happened because ladies like Rosa Parks sat down on a bus. Because men and women sat down at a lunch table. Because people got on their knees and prayed in front of courthouses and police stations. And so MLK was accused again and again of being weak. This is not going to work. You got to get bloated. You got to get right. You got to come correct. You got to stand up. You got to fight back. And you keep saying, no, 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 there has to be a better way. And MLK says it so wisely. Satisfied are the careful, the meek. And MLK says it this way. Nonviolence is power, but it is the right and good use of power. Nonviolence is power, but it is the right and good use of power. Meekness is the right and good use of power. You see, we live in a world that says, my way my purposes, my rights. And MLK was like, no, only love can overcome hate. That's not to say we're not speaking up and speaking out about things, but to your point, when someone shoves us on the subway, shoving back is only going to lead to more shoving. Right? It's facts. I talk to my kids. It doesn't matter. Retaliation is not the way of Jesus because if retaliation was God's method, we'd all be in hell. We'd be screwed. His retaliation was, I'm going to put it on my son. 
I'm going to put it on my son. Meekness is not weakness. It's the right and good use of power. And we all have it. We all have it. Am I more concerned with winning an argument or pursuing reconciliation? Meekness. It's the right and good use of power. I know the right thing in this moment. I know what I could say, but I'm more interested in reconciliation. I'm more interested in loving you than being right in this moment. That is meekness. It's about the power to listen, right? I know what I should say in this moment. I know what I could say in this moment, but what is more important is that I'm listening to you. Power, meekness is not weakness. It's listening so I can better serve. So I can better bring hope and the right word in that moment. I could bring a word, but what's the right word? What's the right word? You see, we recognize that we have so much work. I have so much work to do in this because I think that my power and my possessions and my influence are for me. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I have a bigger agenda than just your happiness. I have a bigger agenda than just your dreams. Again, if you know anything about MLK, MLK came down to the South to be a pastor. That's what he wanted to do. And as he came down and saw what was happening in the South, in Mississippi and Alabama, he didn't even want it. He was like, I don't want this mantle. I don't want this mantle. People were calling death threats into his house. Telling him they're going to kill his kids, kill his wife. And, and, and he was like, I didn't sign up for this. But a whisper from God said, you, I got an agenda bigger than your safety. I got an agenda bigger than your safety. If you trust me with the power I have put in you. The power I've put in you. And that's what Jesus wants for us. Satisfied. Satisfied are the careful, taking care. What is in my hands? What is in my life? What is my story? I have a story to share. You think that all your failures and all your weaknesses and all your struggles mean God's dis- you are disqualified in God's kingdom. God's saying, no, the very things that you think disqualify are the very things I want to use you in to speak to others. Power in the right way. You think, well, i got to come correct first. got to get myself straight first. got to fix all these things up first. So when Jesus said, bring that stuff to me and let me work through that stuff. So many of us think, my past disqualifies me from being used by God. And God says, no, I, chose, I choose the weak things to shame the strong. The weak things. Again, some of you come in this space, I, I don't have a place to lay my head. I don't have more than the clothes on my back. You have a testimony of getting up every day and saying, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I tell people all the time, when I go out and I'm doing the devotional on the sidewalk, and somebody said, why do you do this? Why do you do this? Because I'm learning from them. I'm learning from them. When, When I'm done and I go home to my family in my apartment, Many of them are going to sleep on a park bench. And they're glad to be alive. Glad to be alive. And I'm like, but my internet went down. Or, you know, 
my shoes got a hole in them, or, you know, like, what, you know, it's all this stuff, it's like, I, really, like, I have so much in my life that I waste. Happiness, joy are found in saying, what has God entrusted to me for the good of others, for the good of others? See, we wind up suffering and struggling and hurting ourselves and others when we forget that the power that is provided for me is meant to do something more than just make me happy. C.S. Lewis says it so many times. If we're trying to find happiness, we'll never find it. If we try and find purpose, then we find happiness. And our purpose is to love God and to love our neighbor. Blessing. Blessing comes when we are careful. What does God want for me, for us? I think I need to grab, take, hoard, fight for. And MLK and, and so many others who have followed in his footsteps in the peaceful, nonviolent response have said, you know what? We are going to stand up. We are going to speak out. But we're not going to fight back in the way that you think. In the way that you think. We're going to let our collective forgiveness, our collective truth-telling, our collective praying for speak louder than fists, speak louder than angry rhetoric. So many told MLK that he needed to adopt, adopt a by any means necessary policy. But King knew in view of that that the only way that change would happen was power used in the right way. Power used in the right way. And this blessing spills out into the life of so many others. Because again, look at, the, look at the text. If you have your Bible still open. See? Satisfied are the careful. Satisfied. Look at what Jesus says in verse, five, in verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pause here. So many of us don't really get the beauty and power of what Jesus is teaching because we're not close to what he's talking about. Jesus is talking to a bunch of poor folk on the side of a hill. That's who he's talking to. A bunch of poor folk on the side of the hill. Not political leaders, not celebrities, not the well-to-dos, not the entrepreneurs. He's talking to a bunch of poor outcasts. And he's saying, when you put your power under control, you know what you get? Land. And they perk up. Oh, wait a sec. Land. You know what that means? Power. So many of them... Land meant power. It meant that I could not only provide for myself, but for my family and have an inheritance to give. The Romans and so many come in and take, keep, tax. Colonization, people come in, take, keep, tax, push out. And Jesus says, when you trust me and my methods, you get blessings you can't comprehend. Blessings you can't comprehend. Land. I will provide you inheritances that can't be taken away. Inheritances that can't be taken away. So many of us live like we got to get ours, get the next. And Jesus is saying, you know what? When you trust me, when you let me be your guide, let me control your thoughts, your words, your actions, I'll give you blessings you can't fathom. You can't fathom. So many say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Jesus like, trust me. Trust me in my methods and watch me work. But the beauty of this, the last point is this. 
See, there's the satisfied or the careful. When we, we take care in our conversations, when we take care in the quiet, when we take care in our workplace, when we take care in our marriages, when we take care on our internet usage, when we take care with what we eat and what we drink, when we take care in those moments, God says you are deeply satisfied because you're trusting me to guide you in making wise choices with what I'm putting in your hand. But the last thing, and I keep saying it this way, Jesus never asks us to do something that he didn't go all the way in. All the way in. And so this, the power of meekness, empty are the careless, satisfied are the careful. We are blessed through meekness. We are redeemed through meekness. We are saved by meekness. Think about this for a moment. The temptation of Jesus. Satan offers him so much. And Jesus had the power, the power that made the universe at his disposal in that moment to provide for whatever he needed. He went without eating and drinking for 40 days in that moment. He's being tempted after. Remember, some of us are doing fasts. He's tempted after the fast. Y'all know how that goes, right? You, you reach the end of that fast, right? If you've done fasting before. And imagine after the fast, someone's saying, have a steak dinner. After the fast. You know, three, four days in, if you're doing a longer fast, you know, that, that's okay. I, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still working on it. Forty days in, Satan shows up. And Jesus has the power in that moment to do whatever he thinks he can in that moment to, to, to fix the problem. And Jesus says, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Why? To show us he's willing to withstand the temptation in that moment. To show us he understands. We have a sympathetic priest who's gone to the nth degree of being tempted in those moments. Jesus knows what it's like. Think about it on the cross. If you think about the temptations of Jesus, they're saying, if he really is the Son of God, let him call his angels. And they'll come down and save him. Jesus loves us too much to do that. The meekness, the power under control to say, you know what? I'm not going to satisfy this momentary relief of pain. Because I know there's a bigger agenda. My salvation. Your salvation. We are saved through the meekness of Jesus. Temptation of Jesus was to just say, yeah, I can just use my power right now to relieve this. I can do this. I can make this all right right now. I can make this go away. But he didn't. For us. For us. And the beauty is I'm not changed or redeemed or saved by how meek I am, but by trusting in the powerful, perfect meekness of Jesus. Again, Philippians 2. He didn't exploit his power. He didn't use his power in those moments for his own purposes, for his own agenda, for his own desires in that moment. He said, I have a bigger purpose in this moment than just my relief, than just my escape. I'm thinking of you. 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 
And if I get up off this cross, there's no hope for you. There's no hope for you. There's no hope for you. There's no hope for me. He showed he was willing to let go of being comfortable in that moment to serve a bigger purpose. We are saved through the meekness of Jesus. So there's power in meekness. Power. If we trust God's plan, listen to his voice in those moments. So as we close, thinking about this, how do I need to be more careful? How do I need to be more careful? What do I need to do to take more care in my life? Careful with my words, my finances, my choices of food and drink, the friendships I keep, the words I say, how I speak in conversations, the the stories I tell, the people I talk to, the things I share, the things I do. How do I need to be more careful with the power and the wisdom that God provides? Pastor Gus says it so well. This is about learning to say there's a difference between reacting and responding. Reacting is speaking from the gut, speaking from the cuff, speaking from my sin. I just want you to know how bad you are and how good I am. I want you to know how right I am and how wrong you are. I want to know that this is my moment. This is my stuff. This is my situation. This is my leadership. This is my desires, my plans. That's reacting. Responding is saying, okay, take a breath. What does Jesus want right now? What does Jesus want right now? Does Jesus want me to crack on this person or love them? Does Jesus want me to forgive this person or keep telling them how wrong they are? Does Jesus want me to use my power and my position to get what I want or to serve others? Right? I have to stop and say, there's an opportunity to react in this moment saying, but this is my time. Right? And we all go there, right? A long week, right? Long week. I wasn't even anticipating preaching this week. And it's like, all these things that are going on in my life, it's like, I didn't sign up for this, man. I love to do this, but I didn't sign up for this this week, right? (laughs) And so I'm like, I'd rather just be playing NBA at home. I kind of wish I could just do that this week. But I was like, Jesus, like, you got a bigger agenda right now than just being playing NBA, right? But we go there, right? She's like, I got a bigger agenda right now than just you chilling. And there's time for that. There's a moment for that. But there's a difference between responding and reacting. How do I do this? How do I do this? We ask Jesus for help. We ask him for help. It's that simple. Jesus, I need your help in this space, in this moment. All I want to do is talk down to people. I want to hold my power over people. I always want it to go my way, my agenda, my purposes, me, 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 my, my, my. Jesus, help me. Deliver me from myself. Deliver me from myself. This is the power and the blessing of meekness because the result is I find real joy. Real joy. And when we take this kind of instruction to heart, everyone wins. Everyone wins. See, we live in this culture that says there's only so much to go around, right? Scarcity. So there's only so much money, there's only so much food, there's only so much power, there's only so much to go around. So I gotta get mine, get mine, get mine. Because I don't know where tomorrow's what tomorrow's gonna bring. Get mine, get mine, get mine, get mine. The Lord who holds the cattle on a thousand hills. 
promises. If we put Him first, He'll provide for us. It's a promise. It's not a suggestion. It's a promise. Put me first and I will provide for you. This is not putting God in a box and saying you're a genie. I do your thing, you're going to do my thing. No, I do your thing and my thing doesn't matter. That's what he's saying. I do your thing, my thing seems to matter a whole lot less. That's the power of meekness. Because I'm satisfied in him. That stuff that I thought would make me happy, that position, that power, those people, that situation, the winning that argument, all that stuff seems so important in the moment. I put Jesus first. Uh, that stuff doesn't seem so important anymore. The power of meekness is power in the right way at the right time and watching as God works in ways we can't imagine in those moments. So we're going to close in prayer. And then I'm going to invite us again just to consider as we close the song, what is God calling us to do today? What's one thing he's inviting us to change, to consider, to pursue, particularly as it relates to being careful? So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you. There's so many areas in my life that I need to be more careful. And I'm grateful that you love me, not because I'm careful, but because I trust Jesus. You are perfectly careful for me. But Jesus, I want to be better. I want to be better with what you give me. You give power by providing influence and words and breath and strength and abilities and stories and all these things that you've entrusted to me. I want to use them for agendas and desires bigger than my own. A world is watching. A world is watching. A hostile, broken world is watching. And they're looking for folks who will actually stand up, speak up in the right way, at the right time, with the right words. Father, we need that. Leaders who will serve with the power they're given. Leaders who will serve with the wisdom that they're given. Leaders who will serve with the life that they have. That's what the world needs. Jesus, show us the way. Teach us your path. Give us your strength. Guide us and lead us and help us in this, we pray. In your precious name, amen.